0: Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network.
1: Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised.
2: Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular
1: skyline. It's luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs.
2: On the south side, it's the White Sox. This
1: is Crosstown Crosstalk.
2: Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am so excited that we have a great spring day outside. It is 75 degrees in the great land of chicago chicago land all the surrounding areas i'm so excited to get this baseball season started the next couple we never mind we have 3 months of hell ahead of us and today feels like it's just a nice spring day and everyone's being fooled by the weather but even though we are incredibly disappointed that baseball season is now over and we will discuss what happened in the world series in the latter half of the series later in the show but first we are going to get to a very special guest that thinking of him and his work will make this fall uh not fall this spring weather just feel a little extra tingly for you because you'll think of his work. You'll think of what it makes you think of. I'm talking about, of course, Chicago Cubs organist, John Benedek. Johnny B on the keys,
0: John. How you Yo, doing? I had to double check to make sure there wasn't a game today looking at the weather.
2: That's what it's I'm exce- It's
0: It's warmer than half the games that we had this year, 76 76- degrees breezy i'm sitting on the porch outside it's almost too warm for flannel but.
2: it really is it, it's i step outside in a, a sweatshirt thinking it's going to be a little bit chilly of course it's yeah. not you know i need to take it's it coming off oh it's, it's coming. coming that's but what gotta i gotta milk it yeah, oh, yeah. We, we have three months of hell coming our <laughs> yeah. way maybe even longer and darkness know, get, and snow yep. and yep and yeah. when you get to wrigley field in uh, a couple months to to play on the keys again, it's still going to be really cold. You're going to be still going to be the cold. November yeah, day.
0: yeah the, absolutely. It, I'll probably make it down there a couple of times to, to to stay fresh on the keys. Me and my counterpart Josh usually do that once a month. Uh, and man, they they installed that uh, climate control in the room. I'm sorry, there's cars passing by. It's no too worry. noisy. But in uh, the climate control, that's a lifesaver because during these cold. Like first month of the season, and then that latter half in September, it gets it gets cold. I'm sure, really cold. Yeah, I'm sure it
2: does. Now, when you go <laughs> in and practice, you say once a month.
1: Yeah, I,
0: roughly. Yeah, can,
2: can fans hear that from outside the stadium?
0: Nah, no, nah, we keep it okay inside because okay. we're. I was
2: just curious. So,
0: like, like, dead geese sometimes when we're trying to figure out songs.
2: Got it. That's cool though. I love the ins and outs of music and stuff like that. So, speaking of music. Yeah. You play the organ for the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Was that the first musical instrument that you ever played? Or, and when, at what point did you know that, hey, playing the organ is going to be my calling in this world?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, piano is my first instrument, still is. I've been playing piano since I was five or six years old. My parents threw me in that. Um, I didn't want to do it. What six year old wants to sit at a, learn classical piano for 30 minutes a day? It's like, just, no one does. But, um, that eventually became like the biggest aspect of my life. Um, And quickly I developed my ear through uh, that rather than just reading music. I learned to do that and improvise and write music. And um, in college, uh, I went to school for broadcasting, uh, ended up getting a degree in that and more on the production side and started working for a guy in Lake in the Hills, Stu McVicker. He does these. The club 400 podcast uh and then i that that was my show i was producing that and he happens to have an organ from wrigley in his basement that he would have at these events when he has players and people over and no one was playing it so i'm like okay i'm a piano player i could probably make this work so i organ came much much later in my life um and when i started to gain uh a, an understanding of the timing of the game i did a little bit when i was at western school uh, I had a little keyboard I would do for the baseball games there. So that's how I kind of understood the timing of the game. And, uh, the Cubs ended up reaching out to me after someone put my hat in the ring back when Gary retired and one thing led to another and here we are.
2: That's awesome. I I yeah. love that. story. Started with the piano, moved on to the organ. That's really cool. Yeah. It, and obviously it makes sense, that type of transition. Now I grew up in a house where me and my brother played sports our whole lives, but our dad mm-hmm. He was a sports fan, but, you know, his number one love was music. He played in a rock band all throughout our childhood into our 20s. And I always loved the idea of combining music and sports, right, during the yeah. hockey We would do stick and puck and they would play like either hard rock music or dubstep music, just something (laughs) fast to get you going while you're skating around, having a good time. I love when I go to games, whether it be, you know, the two Chicago teams or even when you go out of town for other sports, even the way they incorporate music and hockey with power plays and whatnot. It's awesome. What does combining sports and music mean to you personally?
0: Well, music is, as we know, is an extension of ourselves. It's a way we express our emotions, what we're trying to communicate, that's just music in general. And why not be able to express your love of sports through that in the same way? And I I like to think that the organist, whether you're at uh, United Center or at Wrigley or even on the South side, the organist is the cheerleader. They're filling in the gaps. They're cheering the, the plays along with you. They're anticipating the next play alongside you. That's the purpose. So I think that's the ultimate, um, like goal as a musician and a sports fan is to be able to express your love of sports through music. That's yeah.
2: That's awesome. Now there are 124 teams across the four men's pro leagues in North America. Not all of them have a live organ player or even just any type of musical anything. So you get to do it at Wrigley Field, which is of course one of the most Iconic venues in all of the world, not even just sports, even like all no. of the world. Can you describe the atmosphere of Wrigley Field from your seat as the organist?
0: Unmatched. I mean, to put it in one word, uh, there are some. There were some some days where it's you know midweek, everyone's at work, there's not that many people there. But um, I remember when everything reopened. We had that reopening weekend last year in 2021, and uh, we we're playing the cards. And that Sunday night game, we were on our way to sweeping them. I couldn't believe how loud it was. I was there for the NLDS game when Javi hit it into the basket. And I think that may have been louder. Wow. I was when, when Kimbrel was on the mound about the strike out the side and everyone's clapping simultaneously because they're just hungry. They're hungry to get back to the ballpark and you could feel it all. Culminate in that one moment, and I can't. I've been to many sports venues. People have been to more, but I've, I've been to enough to understand that Wrigley is pretty much unmatched. Pound I believe pound. it. Yeah,
2: I believe it. So, what kind of music do you listen to in your personal life? Whether it be like in the car, at the gym, while you're walking, yeah. whatever it might be. Like, what do you listen the gym. to? Gym, and does it influence? <laughs> yeah, at the gym, I'm at the gym. Yeah, I'm at the gym <laughs> listening to hard rock, man. um oh, Does it also influence your playing?
0: Uh, yes and yes. I listen to, Dan, I'm all over the map. I hate saying that because it's like, oh, it's a pop out. But like, it's it's honestly true. I If you go on my Spotify playlist, I got Country, I have symphonies from, you know, Dvorak's Ninth Symphony down to Beethoven. I love this. It just depends on my mood. It depends on the time. Um, since car rides are like my only chance throughout the day to be quiet, I don't listen to music much in the car when i'm sitting at home if i'm working i'll play some instrumental stuff uh i love uh bluegrass the intricacy and simplicity at the same time where there's a lot of strumming i thought that I think that's so cool i love good old chicago blues love clapton um modern alternative stuff it's interesting to hear how people work synthesizers and alternators and all these cool things um arpeggiators i mean alternators i was looking at my car arpeggiators <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, I'm all over the map. And, and since I play everything by ear, pretty much, um, that influences what I play at Wrigley. I'm all over the map at Wrigley. On my, on my set list, I have everything from Lady Gaga down to Frankie Valley to, to, to film composers. You know, I'm, I'm everywhere. And that, that helps because you never know when you're going to need to play the Lord of the Rings theme song or Edge of Glory. Like you have, you have no idea and when it comes up you're like ah that'll be good here and you write it down and go listen to it and play it later on in the game
2: (laughs) so you have free reign to play whatever you want
0: they have yeah i it it seemed to be kind of they they give me a lot of a lot of liberty a lot of freedom to 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 play what i want very rarely will they will they tell me not to uh, if, if at all ever um there's a lot of Requests every now and again. Though obviously, I gotta know how to do the anthem. I gotta know how to do "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." There are some like gimmies, um, but yeah, there's a lot of freedom, and that's that's the that's a great thing about this is is just being able to freely express through the keys.
2: I love that. I love the freedom to express yourself in the way yeah. that they let you do that, and you do a very good job at it. Now, Thank another you. person who's very good at their job is someone that I, when I go to games, I. I I watch the sports pretty in-depthly, make no mistake about it. But I also love the optics and production and all that kind of stuff. I like the storytelling just as much as I do the, you know, the game itself. And you guys all help tell the story by playing music, announcing players. Of course, talk about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah. he, he recently got the job as the public address announcer. And I think he's as good as any public address announcer I've ever heard. Don't mind the dog barking. Thousands of dogs <laughs> bark on the show, from my camera, yeah. from the neighbors to guests. They're don't everywhere. worry about dogs barking. It's part of the show. <laughs> um, it seems to me when I go to a game that the public address announcer and the organist are kind of in sync with each other at times. Is that correct? <clears throat> also a side note. What is it like being able to work with someone who's as talented as Jeremiah?
0: JPEP from the beginning was just excellent. He's silk. The learning curve was practically non existent because he came in. I think I was there his second homestand ever. The first homestand, I think Josh Langhoff was on the keys for that first one. But then when I came in, shook his hand, introduced myself, you would think he's been in the league for a decade. Cause he takes he's there hours before first pitch. I'm there two hours because I have to be. This guy is there. Geez, at least 30 minutes before I get there, looking over scripts, making sure that the names are pronounced correctly and inflections are right, making sure his timing is on point. He takes his job as seriously and as professionally as it gets. And he's also just a ridiculously nice guy, extremely humble, extremely down to earth. You can talk to him. He knows how to turn off that that persona, you know, and you can you can you sit and talk with him and you'd be like, oh, this guy's he's a person. And that's what you want. That's what you want is, you know, he's he's there's, there's a personality kind of attached to these jobs that can, can sometimes be unapproachable. And it's our job as a decent person to try to defy that, try to defy the personality aspect to just be able to converse with people and be around them. And he does it so seamlessly because he's just a genuinely nice guy. That's awesome.
1: Now,
2: We live in a great sports town. There are five, six sports teams for men. Oh, yeah. And then there, the Chicago Sky are wonderful as well. Like, the sports teams in this town are awesome. Did you yeah. grow up a Cubs fan? Are there other sports that you like to follow, watch along, Play players across leagues that you like? Like, what's going on? Where's your Cubs C- fandom? C-
0: Cubs is number one, always has been. Uh, my parents raised me right. <laughs> they gave me uh, that, that taste. I remember my I, me and my dad used to listen to – the og pat and ron so ron santo on on am we watch we, we listen to radio more than tv because we just love pat hughes everybody does and now i get to work like right next to him i think that's so cool um back in the seven08 days i watched a little bit in the 03 i kind of remember i was kind of you know nine years old you like baseball you're, you're not grasping the gravity of 2003. Yeah. i don't think i even now i probably couldn't I understand what happened, but like the downfall of Oh four was when I started to get into it a little bit that Matt Clement with, you know, I loved his goatee. Oh seven. Oh eight. When we came so close, but those Padres and those Dodgers. Um, (laughs) and then, uh, it really started to get into it, you know, into my teens and understanding and like, like baseball is everything, but man, the Stanley cup era, hockey, Blackhawks, like that's, I watched every game in, in 13, 14, 15, even 16. I still watch as many games as I can. Uh, basketball, everybody loves D. Rose. I love Kirk Heinrich. Chicago sports is is – we're spoiled, man. We're, we're so spoiled to have all these great historical franchises and great fan bases. Um, the fact that we have stories like the 90s Bulls, And the early 2000 or the the 2010 Hawks. And then this Cubs team with with overcoming all those years we were waiting for it. And the Bears even like to say 1985, and 86, having the greatest teams ever, like all in one city. No one, not even New York can say that. Wild.
2: Yeah. I mean, the the dynasties that have come out of this town are awesome. I just wish they were a little more consistent at staying good. But that's a story. (laughs) That's
0: part of the fun, though. (laughs) That's part of the fun, you know, like people, people always talk and they they get mad about, you know, bad calls by reps or umps or anybody in these sports. I'm like, well, if you take the human aspect out of sports, where's the fun? You got to make it human. You got to be able to have your highs and lows. Otherwise everything's high. And then it just feels numb. You got to be able to come from somewhere. I'm angry. Oh, no, I'm not. Now I feel happy because I was angry. And now I've watched them overcome something that's, That's the human aspect of sports, and that's part of the fun. That's most of it.
2: Yeah, that's true. And like you watch New England Patriots fans this season, like nobody's mad that they think. Like, like the people in Boston are like, "Am I really going to complain that this team kind of stinks right now?" Like we were in the
0: Zappy, yeah, Zappy hour. Like they, I watched that that Monday night game was so funny because they how quickly they turned on. uh, uh, Was that who's their main dude?
2: Mac Jones.
0: Mac Jones. Man, that guy was everything last year. Yep. And they boot him off the field. They bring in Zappy. He throws two quick touchdowns and then completely bombs the rest of the game. Like, yep. come on! And and Mac Jones really didn't even do
2: anything wrong. All he did was, like, no. he was okay in the first two games. Then he got hurt. And while he yeah. got hurt, Zappy came in. And they're used to that yeah. in New England. That's how Tom Brady got in. but
0: <laughs> That's why they're you know. so excited. Like, yay! Yeah. Because Mac like, Jones oh, apparently, here he's the new blood but, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So... <laughs> The Chicago Cubs in 2022, interesting season. There were ups, there were downs. The, the, mm-hmm. There are things about the team where the future looks bright. Are there any players on the team that you just enjoyed watching? Like when that dude comes up to bat, he's fun. Or when that guy's on the mound, like, yeah, I love this.
0: And you you, you got to love morale. Yep. You got to love – like he's got to be the most appreciative player the way he plays. It. He just he, – he tips his cap to the pitcher. He pats the ump and the catcher on the back he makes sure he acknowledges everybody in the field because he knows like every everyone put in the work to be a major league ball player that's the first step and then he enjoys his game he enjoys the energy he brings and he, he knows where to improve and he's coachable and all that but he he doesn't put anything above the priority of enjoying that game same with nico nico's one of those guys where you put him in the box you know you're going to get a quality at bat that's how he is He's he's an extremely hardworking, calculated, meticulous player. He's not, nothing is random about him. Nothing is flailed or chaotic. He's very uh, an organized and tight ball player.
2: Absolutely, there there was yeah. plenty to enjoy this season. And one thing I enjoy is watching your TikToks.
0: <laughs> you, you, Good. Have You're the your <laughs>
2: you have taken your job. You have taken your job of being the Chicago Cubs organist and made it just the most entertaining thing. What made you want to do that? Like, how did that become a thing? Uh,
0: I I credit my old boss. I used to work at a radio station and he was like, dude, just just record your job, put it on TikTok. And I'm like, ah, I, I don't know. Because it seemed like it was so much, it was another thing to worry about, I, you know, because I I see these these people they get addicted to socials and all that stuff and it, it becomes their whole identity. And I'm like, I, I didn't really want to do that, but it's, it didn't seem too difficult just cause I don't really do much other than put captions. And then I put it out. And that first weekend, I think it, it, it exploded. Like I didn't realize how entertained people would be by simply pushing record and putting it next to the organ. I'm like, okay, fine. we'll We'll just keep doing this a few times a week. We'll record, parts of the game and I'll put them out throughout the season and in and, and the last couple of years it's people like it and I'm, I'm glad people like it I'm glad people like it too because that's something that
2: just resonates with me with sports is the organ I mean like Wrigley Field has always you can hear the organ from like down the street and that's how you yeah. know the Cubs are in town like they're playing even the White Sox had Nancy Foss do it for a long time and she was brilliant yeah. And they don't yeah, have yeah. it anymore, kind of like takes away from it. It's all pre recording, like they push a button now. You still get the feeling of the organ. And like Madison Square Garden has a great organ for the yeah. New York Rangers. I don't know if they do it for the Knicks, but I know the Rangers do really well. So, like, I think there's something to that. And it's got to be exciting for you that it resonates with so many people, young and old, that this is still a big part of baseball.
0: Yeah. And I, it, it started at Wrigley. Uh, uh, Back in the '40s, that was the, the uh, Frank Nelson. I think his name is Frank Nelson, uh, and then uh, turned to Frank Pellico, Ray Nelson. Frank Pellico, Ray Nelson was the first. Frank Pellico back in the '80s, and then Gary took over until 2019, and it's just been consistent at week. It, that that's where it all began. And Nancy Faust, man, she's the standard. She 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 inspires me and Josh both. You know. And uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matthew Kaminsky. He's a local boy, but he does it down in the, the Braves. And he's he's the guy who everybody talks about. Who I, I derived my messing with players' names bit. That's what he he does. He does everybody. I only do, you know, four or five, if maybe six on the team and pick one. But he does everybody on that roster he has a song for. And sometimes even has more than one for that player, whether it's that next game in the series or like the next at bat, he is so ridiculously good at what he does. Down there.
2: That's awesome. I never even yeah. really put two and two together. Has a player ever come up to you and been like, John,
0: really that song? No, no. Uh, actually Morrell, I met him at a, at an event earlier this year and I started just kind of doing it. It didn't really seem like it was much of anything, but when the uh, the field attendant or the ball—we call him ball boy, but whatever you want to call him—was running out from the sideline to get a dead ball in the foul ball zone on the track, I would play the William Tell Overture. And Morell noticed that. He's like, "That's funny," and I'm like, "I've never had anybody really approach me about that." But I'm I, I, I was touched because that—that's I—I take my jokes kind of seriously. We're like. I put some thought into it and now I apply it and it was kind of, a it's like a comedian. You take a risk with a joke and when someone responds to it, it makes you feel good about it. It's kind of an affirmation. And Morel noticed that. So that's the only time though. I I don't really get approached about, you know, messing with their names, but yeah.
2: This this might sound odd, but that's one of my favorite stories that's ever been told to me on this
1: podcast.
2: <laughs> I love hearing that because, you know, hearing players, they're on the field, they're human, they listen, they they understand yeah. what's going on. That's awesome.
0: I love it. They that. have a job to do, but I'm happy that they, that, that he noticed that.
2: Absolutely. So <laughs> you're, you're involved with the Cubs and playing the organ and you're great at what you do, but tell me really quick. What do you like to do for fun? That's outside of music and sports. What makes John Benedek go? What's your favorite thing to do for a hobby, yeah. or maybe an extent? Maybe it's an extension of music or sports or something. But what do you like to do for fun?
0: You're gonna you're gonna laugh at this. Uh, roller, coaster.
2: <laughs>
1: roller coasters. I
0: love love roller coasters. I will go on road trips to ride a roller coaster. Yeah, um, Great America's nearby, and they got some good ones. But Cedar Point is like my Heaven on Earth as far as like the Coaster Kingdom. Bush Garden down in, in Tampa is pretty good as well. But I, I I love a good coaster. Um I like photography. I have I, I, I have another kind of Instagram persona where I just take long exposure to landscape photography. It's just the way to sit in a moment for a long time. Uh, it slows you down. But you know, I used to do that a lot more than I do now because I think I got busier, but those two uh i like eating eating's fun yep i uh, think everybody <laughs> likes that we talk about quite a yeah. Yeah, absolutely like mid yeah anytime i get a chance i'll eat but yeah anything with with, with people so with family with friends um that's that's always a, a good thing
2: absolutely you thought i was gonna laugh at the yeah. roller coaster thing i couldn't agree more and i yeah. never i'm weak with my experience i've only been to great america i've never been on a roller coaster anywhere else other than the chicago gurney uh mm-hmm. great america raging bull
0: man that's yeah, good that's good stuff great first drop in the back row I, I there's not many first drops that are better than that the way it dives into the tunnel
1: because it oh, flings you over
0: i like that air time because if you're in the front row the train's already halfway down the hill before it really starts to pick up speed but in the back and you're already up to speed by the time you're over the top of that hill and you get flung out. So that's 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 what that's what coaster freaks like.
2: So I would have never thought of that. That that's awesome. John, yeah. I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. That was a great yeah, this time. Is a a blast. Great little interview there. You you do a great job at Wrigley Field. Is there anything you want to thank promote you. about yourself before we let you go?
0: Nah, man. It just everyone enjoy the off season. Enjoy the Hawks and the Bulls. They're looking okay. So just enjoy it, enjoy actually having a quarterback on the Bears, and uh, we'll see you in March,
2: absolutely. And <laughs> if you're taking any requests, I know we got some people watching that want to hear some, some of the new Taylor Swift album on the organ once you get into the <laughs> okay. Into the, I'll uh, I'll take note of
0: that, I'll make sure <laughs> right. there may be another one by March. Who knows? She pumps it, it could like happen, so
2: she's pumping them out like crazy, and she's got a tour coming this summer, so oh boy, she
0: might, okay, well. Okay.
2: That, that's going to be a common request if someone comes up to you, they're going to be like, "John Taylor's coming to town, June June sixth, I think it is. You know, where she's going to be here, be be playing that at Wrigley Field.
0: Oh well, well all right, fine. If that's awesome.
2: To. Everybody, make sure you follow John Benedek on Twitter at uh-huh. John Benedek. And John, thank you so much for coming on. We will send everybody to a quick commercial break.
0: Appreciate. it. <laughs>
1: To be accountable to yourself you got to be fair to yourself and saying hey you know I, I screwed up here and this is where i got to get better you know like eq has that drop on that play he should never have dropped that ball okay but he did okay then you can get into the the uh the two interference calls on the bears which i thought were atrocious and then the non-call on claypool which was even worse I mean, that, he was literally getting a, 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 a <laughs> looked like they were doing a Heimlich maneuver with him or something, you know,
2: exactly or something X-rated.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, so um, I like that X-rated. One. <laughs> they, uh, they, they didn't call it, you know, so but there's nothing you can do about it. I, I, I tweeted out during the game. Yeah, you're going to get a letter from the league on Wednesday saying, yeah, we made a mistake. That should have been a call. It's big Big deal.
2: Johnny B on the keys. We can't thank you enough for coming on our show. John Benedek, make sure you're following him on Twitter. And when you go to the Cubs game next year and you hear him, beep, <laughs> beep, make sure you remember that he was on crosstown crosstalk and say, you listened to him talk. That was awesome. John. Thank you again. Since our last show. The Houston Astros won the World Series for the first time since 2012. It is their second – 2012, I lied, 2017. It is their second World Series title in four appearances since 2017. They have been in the ALCS every single year. Since then, there are people using the D word. I I don't think they're a dynasty. If they rattle off two or three more, then yeah, I'll say they're a dynasty from 17 to whatever. But they won two World Series titles, lots of ALCS. They're a very, very good team. Five players: Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Yuli Gurriel, Justin Verlander, and um, drawing a blank on his name now. The other pitcher, Lance McCullers. Those are the five that won two World Series with the Astros. Lots of roster turnover that shows how good the organization is, at uh, bringing in new people each and every year to help them fill in their flaws and whatnot. It was a great World Series victory, 4-2 to two over the Philadelphia Phillies. The Astros had everything they needed to get it done. Their pitching was phenomenal. A, th- a third of the runs they gave up in the entire playoffs – were in the first game against the Seattle Mariners when they were losing. And then they came all the way back to win in the bottom of the ninth inning on a walk-off blast by Jordan Alvarez. They had a, a, a log jam at designated hitter. They figured it out. They used certain players here, certain players there. Trey Mancini acquiring him at the deadline. Christian Vasquez acquiring him at the deadline. Uh, actually, good performance from Justin Verlander in his second appearance of the World Series. The Astros were able to get it done now. I want to say some nice words about the Philadelphia Phillies as well. The Houston Astros went into that series as heavy, heavy favorites over those Phillies who entered the playoffs as the last team in the National League. Not only were they the worst record to make the playoffs in the National League, they had the smallest record of any team that made the postseason American league or national league. So the fact that they were able to get it done against some really, really good teams and make it all the way to the world series just speaks volumes to how great they were. It was a pleasure to watch all year long. Kyle Schwarber was an absolute dog playing with the Philadelphia Phillies. Of course, Bryce Harper, he was going to the hall of fame anyway, right? Like, Two MVPs, lots of amazing regular season stats. He became a postseason legend in a way. He didn't get it while he got it done in the World Series. His team didn't get it done in the World Series. I'm not going to hold that against him by any means. He had an awesome World Series performance. And speaking of awesome World Series performances, Jeremy Pena, the rookie, Carlos Correa's replacement, in houston was the world series mvp listen guy was drafted in 2019 and if you know anything about the 2019 and 2020 mlb drafts those guys got hosed by COVID 19 they had to have a very unusual path to the major leagues i think of guys like adley rushman like andrew vaughn like jeremy pena who made his way with the Houston Astros, and he is now one of the best shortstops in the league. I believe he won the gold glove for shortstop, and his former shortstop of Houston, Carlos Correa, finished right behind him. You know, it was a nominee for the gold glove at shortstop in the American League. Pena was outstanding in this World Series. He deserves to be the World Series MVP, and stuff like that is why the Houston Astros continuously – find their way in the ALCS at minimum is because when they lose George Springer they replace him with Jordan Alvarez or Tucker or you know guys that weren't there before Springer arrived. Oh, Garrett Cole, he leaves. What happens? Urquidy comes out of nowhere. McCullers becomes even better. Verlander was injured all this time. He comes back now he's great again. If they were to like lose Altuve in free agency or something, which they're not going to expect them to pull out a second baseman out of nowhere. That's awesome. That's just what the Houston Astros do. That is what makes them great. Listen, I hated them too. They're the cheating, like banging on trash cans. They're an easy team to hate. It's funny to make fun of Garrett Cole now that he's with the New York Yankees. It's funny to make fun of Jose Altuve and yell, F Altuve, cheater, cheater. Listen, we all do it. We all did it. They were a very unlikable team for a long time. Hard to hold them accountable. I mean, no, it's easy to hold them accountable for 2017. But what they've done since then. It it should almost make you more mad at the fact that they cheated because they did not need to do it. They were not frauds. They made themselves look like frauds because they gave themselves that extra 1%. And truth be told, cheating or not, the 2022 Houston Astros would smoke the 2017 Houston Astros. The pitching that I saw in this playoffs from Houston against Seattle, against Philly, against the New York Yankees, Was unmatched. It is like un. It is like unlike any other pitching performance I've ever seen from a postseason team. It is just remarkable what they have been able to accomplish. And to be honest, I tip my cap to you, Houston Astros. You are the World Series champions. There's nothing illegitimate about it. And you will go into the 2023 season as probably un undeniable favorites to win the American League again. We'll see when all that comes out, but. There's lots of free agent stuff to be decided in between now and then as well. So that officially here on the Barroom Network puts a bow on the 2022 Major League Baseball season. For everyone who covers baseball on this network, we can officially say the season is over. Now, that does not mean Crosstown Crosstalk is going anywhere because it's not. We move on. 2022 out. 2023 in You're a Cubs fan? We move on. You're a White Sox fan? We move on. Are you a fan of one of the other 28 teams? Thank you so much for listening. This is not a Chicago exclusive podcast. It is an all-MLB podcast. First and foremost, welcome. You move on as well. Houston Astros fans, you guys get to enjoy your celebration for a long time. I think even if the Houston Astros came in last place next year, nobody would really cry about it in Houston because of what they have been able to do over the last six years. So, 2022, out with the old, in with the new, we talk free agency. Speaking of the Houston Astros, Justin Verlander has opted out of his contract with the Houston Astros. A bit of stunning news. I thought he'd want to stay in Houston. They helped him revive his career. He was starting to be kind of stinky with the Detroit Tigers, but it was probably hard to stay motivated playing in that organization at the current state that they were at that time. Now, he could do plenty of other things. He could go pitch for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He could go play for the Atlanta Braves. I hear the New York Mets are looking for an ace now that Jacob deGrom is probably going to leave the San Francisco giants might be looking for a great pitcher. If they sign Aaron judge, they might be looking to add somebody like Verlander who's probably not going to command a lot of term. He'll get a lot of dollar, but he's not going to get a lot of term at 39 years old. He wants to play for three more years and who the heck is going to deny him because he's going to win the Cy Young. If he plays for another team, the Cubs wanted to trade for him when he was with Detroit. I don't know if they would have helped revive his career quite the way that Houston is because of the things and the, the resources that Houston has to help pitchers, you know, use data and all that and statistics and analytics and all that to help get the most out of people. Listen, I know they banged on trash cans. They also do a lot of other things that help their guys get the most out of their talents. And Verlander has certainly, been lucky enough to do that we will see what team he lands with it is a saga that we will follow all off season long maybe he wants one year in the Bronx go put on some pinstripes for a year that'd be interesting to see him and Cole back together with the New York Yankees they could certainly use someone like that our guy in Chicago Dylan Cease he's going to come in second place to Verlander for the Cy Young Award that kind of stinks we all wanted to see Cease do it but it's not going to happen Verlander getting the job done there are lots of other free agents as well. I wrote down a couple just to run through some names so people can take a grasp at how many great stars are available to be signed via the free agent wire. Jose Abreu, Carlos Rodon, Jacob deGrom, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, man, how much money are guys named Carlos going to make combined this offseason between Correa and Rodon? Probably close to half a Billy would be my guess. Um, It came out today that Verlander opted out. So he joins that list as well. And there are plenty of others as well. There's a lot of infield love here. Okay, Jose Abreu, you can make a whole infield. And there's not really a third baseman on this list that I wrote down. At least I'm sure there are some that I might be forgetting, even though Arenado did decide to go back to the St. Louis Cardinals. So he's surprisingly not on this list, but this is a, This is an interesting list. There's going to be a lot of money floated around. I know Bogarts and Rodon are both Boris clients. They're certainly going to be paid heavy. I believe it came out that the Cubs met with Boris to talk about both of them. They could use both of them. Well, I'm a little iffy on the Cubs' middle infield because Nico Horner was so great this year, and they have a lot of faith in Nick Madrigal. Like, what do you trade for Nick Madrigal for if you're going to sign a $200 million free agent second baseman? Or a $200 million shortstop to play second base. Or a $200 million shortstop to have play shortstop. And you move Nico Horner to second base, even though he was so good at shortstop last year. It's a very interesting conversation when it comes to the Chicago Cubs middle infield. But obviously both teams should be in on all these guys, really, if you think about it, because both of them need upgrades in different ways for different reasons. The Cubs are trying to ascend into what should be a borderline playoff team, if not better. And the White Sox were a borderline playoff team last year. They came up just short in what was a terrible season for them when they came in with World Series level expectations and they failed to do that The vibes are low for the White Sox. They're high for the Cubs, but both of them could be pretty good in 2023 if they play their cards right now. A name I did not mention was Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge broke the American League single-season record for most home runs in a season with 62 this year. It was one of the most glorious moments in the history of the sport. He had all eyes on. There were basketball games being played on ESPN and college football. You know how much money the NBA and college football pay ESPN? to broadcast their games on their networks billions of dollars combined okay they're tuning it out to put Aaron Judge on a little screen and then the the college football games in a little screen in the corner while Aaron Judge is batting he had that kind of impact on the sports landscape this season and he might do What only a few players ever have done, and that's leave the New York Yankees in free agency. Normally, the Yankees are stealing guys off of your team to come play for them. Aaron Judge might be going somewhere else. There's the San Francisco Giants. There's the New York Mets. Hell, there's the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't know where they put them, but they find a way. They find a way over there in the City of Angels, and they're going to be losing Trey Turner. That's a lot of money off the books. Maybe you make Mookie Betts play left field or center field, and you have Aaron Judge play right, or you could have Aaron Judge play center, or you could just have a DH because why not have, you know, an Olympian or a World Baseball Classic type of guy at every single position? I, I have no idea, but Aaron Judge is going to make a lot of money. DraftKings over under, I believe, which, if you want to sponsor this podcast, DraftKings, go ahead. I'm your guy. I believe they have him at three hundred and seventy five million as the over under for how much money he is going to make on his next contract. And some of the teams at the top of his list, none of the two Chicago teams are on it, even though they absolutely should be. Both of them have owners that are rich enough to bring in a guy like that to one of the greatest sports cities in the world. But neither of them are going to shell out the money because they are both cheap bastards. Wilson Gutierrez opted out of his contract with the Chicago Cubs. Well, no. Nope. Wrong. He did not opt out. He was extended a qualifying offer and he chose to decline it. So the Cubs are going to get a compensatory pick to replace Wilson Contreras, but they are losing their all star catcher that won a World Series with them in 2016. It's tough news for the Cubs. I mean, the pick that they're getting for him, not good enough. You could have traded him at the deadline. You made him do his little farewell tour where he's crying in the dugout with Ian Happ and he thought he was gone. You made him go through hell during that week, and then you ultimately don't trade him. So he had to show up to Wrigley Field to play again after the waterworks the following Friday. It was just a very, very weird situation for the Chicago Cubs. It doesn't seem like they were very fluid with Contreras and what they were going to do. He seemed like he actually thought he was going to get moved, and then he didn't get moved. So that just tells me that the Cubs didn't do their due diligence when it comes to letting Contreras know, hey, your name is out there to be moved, but it is not a lock that you're gone. We'll deal with whatever happens when it happens. I think that would have made things easier on him, but they chose not to. Now you have to think about the teams across the league that could use a catcher like Wilson Contreras. How about the Detroit Cubs? I'm starting to think of them as the Detroit Cubs. Why doesn't Wilson Contreras go play catcher for them? They're losing Tucker Barnard in free agency in all likelihood. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If he goes and joins his friend, Javi in Detroit and plays catcher for the tigers, the New York Mets, Their number one prospect is a catcher, but they might want to have him back up a veteran for two or three years. That's where Wilson Contreras could come in for them. And, of course, the Houston Astros. They reportedly had a deal in place with the Chicago Cubs to get Wilson Contreras, but it did not get done. I think the Cubs were going to get Urquidy, who was pretty good for the Astros in the postseason. It ended up not happening. The Astros won the World Series anyway. They traded for Christian Vasquez, the Boston Red Sox starting catcher to be the backup catcher to Martin Maldonado. Well, now Vasquez is a free agent. There's a chance that he leaves town. So then they'll have Martin Maldonado, who's going to deal with some surgery this offseason. I'm sure he'll be ready by spring training, but the Astros, they might want to have a backup catcher plan ready to rock in case things don't go their way. This offseason with Maldonado, it wouldn't hurt to have Maldonado as your defensive stalwart. And then you have Contreras as the offensive catcher. It's not even like the Astros were a juggernaut at designated hitter either. Okay, Vasquez did DH in their game clinching, their World Series clinching game six. They had two catchers in the lineup as a result of the DH. So if you have Contreras, he could DH, Maldonado can catch. And then on days where Contreras catches, you have somebody not named Maldonado catch because Maldonado's thinks of hitting even though he's elite at defense. So their possibilities are endless. But the one possibility that a lot of Cubs fans might not want to hear for Wilson Contreras is the St. Louis Cardinals. Yadier Molina retired. They got nothing. As a backup plan, they they were trying to probably trade for Wilson Contreras. I just don't ever see the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals ever making a trade, which is something that probably hindered that from getting done during the season. And I don't know how it would have impacted them this year. It seemed like the Cardinals were mostly concerned with the farewell tour for Molina and Albert Pujols. But now that Molina is officially retired, they're looking for a catcher. would not surprise me at all if Contreras chose to go down to St. Louis Cardinals organization. That's actually my... That's my early offseason prediction. Subject to change, but I see Wilson Contreras playing for the Cardinals next season. Good news came into fruition for the Chicago White Sox over the last week or so. Ever since they hired their manager, Pedro Grifol, things have been changing for them a little bit. A.J. Pollock decided to opt out of his contract. AJ Pollock wasn't that good in 2022. So I don't get why he would leave $8 million on the table. He's not going to get that with another team. He could have just opted in called the white Sox suckers and taken his money. Instead, he took a $5 million buyout instead of the 15 million to play the white Sox save 8 million against the cap. Well, there's no cap. They save 8 million on the books. That's my hockey brain going when I talk about salary caps, but the fact that he gave, he basically gave up $8 million to not play for the White Sox, I think that says a lot about his feelings for playing for this team during the 2022 season. Now there are a couple things to take away from this. The White Sox have an extra $8 million to spend. You can get some good players over $8 million to add to your depth on this team. Maybe they sign a starting pitcher. Maybe they get a second baseman that doesn't stink, you know, that money can be used in a lot of different ways, and they're also saving money on other players across the diamond as well if they cut salary by letting go of someone named Joe Kelly, maybe. You know, there are lots of ways to take care of business here. We'll see what happens with guys like Yasmani Grindal and Yoan Moncada who are hoping to have bounce-back seasons next year. We'll see if they're actually able to. But it also rids the White Sox of anything related to the Craig Kimbrell trade. They traded Craig or they traded Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer to the Chicago Cubs for Craig Kimbrell. Madrigal kind of stinks. I mean, he's good, but he's not anything that I'm like crying about losing. Cody Hoyer has a chance to be a really good relief pitcher for the Chicago Cubs starting in 2023, though. He missed all of 2022 because he recovered from Tommy John surgery, but he was bad with the White Sox in 2021 in the first half. Great with the Cubs in the second half, but he was really good with the White Sox in 2020. You might remember, like, dominant. In 2020 with the White Sox in the short 60-game season. So the potential's obviously there. Then you get Craig Kimbrell. He comes to the South Side. He had a 0.5 ERA with the Cubs in the first half of the 2021 season. He was awesome. He was in the all-star game. He literally, he literally looked like the best reliever in the game at that point in time. Then he comes over to the White Sox and he was brutal. Now I think Tony La Russa used him wrong. Liam Hendricks remained the closer and Craig Kimbrell was pitching in the eighth inning. If you're a closer and you've been a closer for 15 years, you are used to getting those final three outs, the three hardest outs in the game. It just wasn't working for Kimbrell in any other inning besides the ninth. And that was the downfall of Kimbrell and in a lot of ways, the White Sox in 2021. So they come into 22 during the lockout, we never know what's going to happen with Craig Kimbrell. The second the lockout ends, within a couple days, we find out that the White Sox traded Craig Kimbrel to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange for A.J. Pollock. A.J. Pollock, mediocre year. Craig Kimbrell, disaster for the Dodgers for the most part. Both teams kind of lost that trade. But now that A.J. Pollock has opted out of his contract with the White Sox, it is all but dead. The Craig Kimbrell trade rest in peace. The Chicago Cubs have pretty good vibes going into the offseason, I would say there are a lot of people expecting them to spend a little bit of money, probably be a slightly improved team in 2023. We'll see if they're able to make the postseason in a national league that has some really good teams. I mean, the the final wildcard team made it to the world series. And one of the other wildcard teams, the San Diego Padres were the team that the Phillies played in the NLCS. Uh, so lots of depth in the national league. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a tough year for everyone, except for the Dodgers. And, You know, but they're going to go in believing they have a chance, I would think. The St. Louis Cardinals, Milwaukee Brewers will still be there in the NL Central Division, but it's not getting better. If anything, it's staying stag, which is something that the Chicago Cubs might be able to take advantage of, if not yet next year, the year after. As for the White Sox, the Cleveland Guardians won the division in somewhat shocking fashion. The White Sox went 81 and 81 in a year where they played terribly. The fact that they were 81 and 81 is honestly shocking. Uh, They were so bad at certain points in the season. But, you know, we come into this offseason hoping that the vibes change a little bit because right now they are not good. This team needs to do something to reel this fan base back in and believe in them once again. As of right now, the rebuild looked like it was working really well. They were outstanding. They were one of the five best teams in the league in 2020 and 2021. They came into 2022. It was easy to get ahead of themselves. They need their core players. In addition to making good decisions in the offseason with signings and trades and whatnot, the most important thing is getting the core players back to where they were. A lot of the reason they were a top five team for those two years was because Eloy Jimenez was hitting baseballs to Pluto with regularity because Luis Robert, was healthy and looking like a top five player in the game regularly. Jose Abreu winning MVPs. Yoan Moncada looking like a really good player. The pitching staff was outstanding. We need a bounce back year from Lucas Giolito. Dylan Cease needs to keep it up. Michael Kopech needs to keep it up. I'd like to see more consistency from Lance Lynn. Dallas Keuchel's no longer there. Tony La is no longer there. There are ways for this team to bounce back in 2023. Hopefully when the first pitch is thrown Another bit of breaking news that came out yesterday was the fact that the White Sox are opening the entire MLB season for all 30 teams against the Houston Astros, the defending World Series champion Houston Astros on ESPN on March 30th. Very excited for that, but the vibes need to change for both teams going forward in the positive direction. Hopefully they are able to do so. Today is a very special day in my life. It is my one-year dating anniversary with my girlfriend, Katie, and I just wanted to give you a massive shout-out and tell you how much I love you, and I'm very excited to have you along this ride with me and supporting Crosstown Crosstalk, supporting the Barroom Network, and supporting everything that I do with my sports covering journey. It's not easy. There are games on all the time. It could get annoying after a while. I know nobody is there for me more than you, and I am so happy that you put up with me Because I love you very much. That's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed today's version of Crosstown Crosstalk. Thank you very much again to Johnny B on the Keys for coming on our show. That's John Benedict. Maybe make sure you can check him out on Twitter.com. Look him up on TikTok. His videos are outstanding. And if you like the ins and outs of sports with music and media and entertainment and bringing it all together, he's the guy for you. I highly recommend it. And thank you, everybody, for listening. It has been an outstanding time. We will be back next week where the GM meetings will be over this time next week. And we'll be starting to look ahead to the winter meetings, which will take place in the first week of December. There is no better place to listen to baseball analysis of what's going on in the offseason than this show right here, Crosstown Crosstalk. And make sure you tune into to the rest of the great shows here on the Barroom Network. We're covering the NBA. We're seeing so much red with the Chicago Bulls. Justin Fields over the last two weeks has been a top 10 quarterback. Make no mistake about it. College football is getting underway. The rankings are getting spicy. If TCU loses to Texas this week, I don't know what's going to happen with the rankings. Then teams like USC and Ole Miss and UCLA, they're all going to get pulled back in and believe that they have a chance to win this uh, make it to the playoff this year it is going to be outstanding we have Michigan Ohio State on the 24th I am so excited for that game 11 a.m central time make sure you tune into all of it I will be back on the program or on the network next Wednesday with bar down talking hockey with Frankie Mueller and let me tell you something I hope I don't forget by this time next week because that goal by Trevor Ziegris yesterday was unbelievable. The Michigan, he pulled it off. Then it got called off for offsides. Even though the offsides had absolutely no impact on the play whatsoever, Frankie and I will get down and deep on that. And then, of course, one day later, I will be right back here on this show on Crosstown Crosstalk bringing you exciting guests, exciting baseball analysis. And I cannot be more proud to be a part of all this here on the Barroom Network. As we always say